0: Amazing. Uh, Thank you. First of all, let me just start uh, by sharing a few things that as a church we were able to do together. There were over 1,380 volunteers. That was about 5,000 volunteer hours or 18 projects that covered five different cities in Santa Clara County this last weekend. So let me just start by saying thank you. To all of you who participated uh, during Beautiful Day uh, this uh, weekend, there are a couple of projects that are still going on. Our legacy project is uh, happening; uh, was happening yesterday and, and, and one more for next week. Uh, but this is an effort that takes months and months of uh, preparation. Uh, the entire Beautiful Day team is over 100 people. And uh, the collective effort of our directors, our leads, our volunteers, uh, all of us together... Uh, serving our city and our county in the name of Jesus. You know, the relationships that are built here uh, with our community, with uh, our elected officials, uh, with uh, nonprofits, and, uh, and even churches, these are important, lasting <clears throat> uh, uh, opportunities that we have, relationships that we build uh, in order to serve Jesus well uh, in our community. So for all of this and more... Uh, I want to thank you uh, for being part of it. Like uh, a few weeks ago, I think Steve mentioned this is something that uh, 100% of us do. It's not uh, 20% or 30%. And all of you showed up, and I'm I'm extremely grateful for that. And that also helps us to keep our commitment uh, to our city and and our county. <coughs> I want to start with uh, this picture of uh, Jamie. This is a project uh, that was at the Washington community. And Jamie, the man up there making uh, some hot dogs, uh, was a neighbor. Uh, He saw a bunch of volunteers coming to his community. And especially, there were a lot of young volunteers there. And he was really uh, inspired. And he wanted to do his small little part. And he started, uh, you know, getting his grill out there and, you know, making some lunch, some hot dog for all of our volunteers. Now, what I was even more grateful was our volunteers were willing to receive. You know, it's sometimes easy to give and very difficult to receive. It's a humbling process. And they went and they talked to him, and I got to hear the story of this person. It is not out of plenty that he was able to give. It was out of lack. He was a man who was, you know, was living in a low-income community, but he wanted to do his small part in in serving his his own community. It reminded me about Mother Teresa's uh, really well-known quote. It says we can do no great things, we only do small things with great love. You know, in the larger picture of seeing transformation in our city and our county, what just happened last week could be just a drop in the ocean. But the Bible teaches how God sees value in small things and in insignificant things and makes it useful for His kingdom and for His glory. There are many examples that we could see throughout the Scripture, but in the New Testament, I want to turn your attention to a very well-known passage, Matthew uh, chapter 13, uh, verses 31 and 32. This is the parable of the mustard seed. Before I I read this passage, let me give you a brief context on, on what the writer The gospel writer is trying to get at here. Matthew 13 is about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is speaking to a large crowd of people uh, who have come to him. And he is uh, talking about the kingdom of heaven with six different parables in this one chapter. And throughout all of these, there is one pattern that we see in all these parables. That is, Jesus is communicating about an upside-down kingdom where the first is going to be last, and where the small and the insignificant is going to be used and not discarded in his kingdom in a powerful way. So let me read uh, this parable for you. Verse 31, he, that's Jesus, told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, with a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. The mustard seed in Jesus' time in Israel was not a valuable commodity. It was not something that, you know, you put in your hot dog and eat. Today is a hot dog theme. I had several hot dogs... <laughs> So it is not like something that you know you usually use um, in you know your probably in your everyday life. In fact, it was a shrub that grows like a weed, and it was rarely used for medicinal purposes. Since its lack of utility, no farmer would attempt to farm mustard. It was considered to be foolish for a farmer to take time to do that because it was a weed, it was everywhere. You look around in Israel. But Jesus relates his kingdom to that of a mustard seed. This would be shocking to his audience because they have heard about what does it look like for the Messiah to come back. In Ezekiel, it says that when the Messiah comes back, it is going to look like a cedar tree. It's majestic. These are big trees like the sequoia trees that we see. And over there, birds would perch in its branches. That's what they're expecting. But what Jesus is getting at here is to say, do not underestimate the small and insignificant things. Because in his kingdom, even the most small things are going to be used for kingdom work. He's redefining what, is it, what, what the world thought about small and big. Jesus found value in the things that are insignificant and had no value at that time. In fact, in the Greco-Roman world, uh, you know, even they devalued human beings. If you were just born in the wrong community, women, children, folks who are differently abled, all of them were seen insignificant and worthless. Jesus in his teaching shows how all of them are valuable and carries worth because all of them are created in the image of God. Folks, that is what you were able to do this last week. In some way, what we try to do is to restore the dignity that God has given people by acts of small acts of service throughout our community. In one of our projects, U.S. Mission, in this picture that you would see, uh, this is uh, the manager of this uh, nonprofit, and um, Patricia, who is actually standing there, you know, very proudly showing this, uh, you know, Victorian house. It is basically uh, houses, young adult homeless men uh, in in our community. And she was telling me how for many, many years that no one would care or support in any way uh, this place. And she said it is because... Many people don't care about the young men who live here. In many ways, they are not valued in our community. But in our way of life, in Jesus' way of life, in the kingdom of God, they are considered to be valued because they are created in God's image. One of the fascinating things about the mustard seed is not its majesty like a cedar tree, but its ability to grow. It is invasive. Once it germinates, it proliferates and it goes to all places. Now that is exactly what Jesus points. Jesus' uh, main point here is when the kingdom of heaven germinates and sprouts because the values of Jesus are lived out in individual lives and in communities, it affects all areas of our lives. It affects our work, our relationships, our families, our mental health, and the places that we live in. In fact, the next proverb that Jesus would talk here is the proverb of the yeast and how a pinch of yeast can leaven the entire dough. The small seeds of compassion and faith and kindness that each one of you sowed in our community will grow. It will expand. And it will do things that only God can make happen in our community. You know, my role here at Westgate helps me to see this firsthand in our community. School Impact, one of our ministries, uh, actually came out of several beautiful day projects in Moreland School District. This last uh, few weeks ago, I got to meet one of the principals of uh, Moreland Middle School. He is uh, new to his role. And as he got to the school, he kept hearing about Westgate Church from his staff, from parents, and from others. So he was actually curious to meet someone from Westgate. I meet uh, all the principals at least once a year. And uh, when I got to meet with him, he had a very uh, specific request. Because of the influx of, um, you know, the world in our community, there are actually literally, he said, over 12 different languages representing the school. That means that there are some students who actually do not have any skills, zero skills, in communicating English. And he was concerned because there are some of these students are isolated and alone and we're just sitting in the corner of some of the classes. He wanted to do something about it. And he said, he told me that, you know, the fact of the matter is in few years, two or three years, these kids are going to speak good English. They're going to become great communicators. But to get to that three years without getting them isolated and making them feel and think that they are insignificant, we need to do something. And so he was asking, can we have some volunteer who can come during a summer and just hang out with them? The goal is not to teach English. The goal is to be kind and compassionate and be around. And I said, if a church cannot do it, I don't know who else can. And we will step in. You know, the reason that this principal heard about Westgate is because of some of the many, many, many projects, beautiful day projects we have done in this community. Some of you might have given your four hours five years ago, ten years ago to the school. The seed that was sown is growing and it is producing fruits. Only way that God can do stuff. So this passage teaches us do not underestimate The power of small things done with great love. And that's what we were able to do this last weekend. You know, Jesus not only taught about the mustard seed, he also embodied the value of this teaching. A few chapters down the line, we'll see Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is the creator of all things, holy of holies, who would come to this world and become an insignificant seed, a person. Born in a manger in an insignificant town called Bethlehem. He lived and served and cared for people who were insignificant, who were marginalized, who did not have a voice in the community. He died the death of a criminal on a cross. The sinless son of God became sin, but God raised him from the dead. And he gave him the name above all names, that in his name, all nations, all tongues will confess that Jesus is God. The Bible says, by his stripes, we are healed, we are saved, and we are redeemed. That is the gospel we believe. That is the story of the God who became small and who does not forsake small things done faithfully. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 20, it says, uh, a bruised reed he will not break, a small ring wick he will not snuff out. This is the story of the God we serve who became small and insignificant so that all can be reconciled to him. I believe this last weekend, and especially this passage is teaching us that if you can have small faith. In a great big God, God can do amazing things. That's why we were singing today. That's all we can give is hallelujah. Just come as you are. And God can do certain big things in your life and in this community. You know what Beautifully has done for us this last week and does every year? Is to give us the motivation and the hope that if you take small steps in faith, God can do great things. And when a large group of you all do small things in great love, the city and the community and our county gets blessed. If Beautiful Day is simply an annual checkbox for you, I think so we are missing the point. But if this can be used as a momentum to practice this way of life, if this turns into a formation uh, and the foundation of your faith, and if you are able to embody this every single day of your life, then I believe it will produce fruits not only individually in your own life, but in this community, in this city that we are in, that God has placed in, and that God loves. God can do amazing things. That's the kind of church we want to be. And that is the momentum we want to take forward as we look into the rest of the year. Before we end our time today, uh, you know, Jay, our lead pastor, is going to come forward. And give us a vision on how we can take this momentum going forward as we look into the rest of the year as we together serve Jesus Christ in our city and county. Jay.
1: Morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Can we just um, finish shave today because he hasn't had time to shave in six months. It's a lot of work what he and his team do. So thank you to all of you. But can we just thank Finney and um, yeah, Finney, our local Compassion team, our Beautiful Day team, uh, our Beautiful Day board. um, I, I have the privilege and the honor of seeing firsthand front row, not just on Beautiful Day weekend when you all Give so much time and energy, but in the many months leading up, almost a year, really, these guys are, are not really taking a break. They're beginning now to think through 2023 and projects and praying through what God has for us in terms of loving our, our neighbors uh, well uh, moving forward. They do so much work. So, so grateful, man. So, so grateful and so glad you had some time to shave. Um, <laughs> let me read for us Matthew chapter 25. This is a story that Jesus tells to paint a picture of what things will look like, a particular type of conversation that will happen at the end of time uh, when Christ comes to judge the living and the dead. And he talks about how Jesus, he himself, as the king of the universe, will eventually come And he will have conversations with people as we give account of our lives and what we gave our lives to. And this is a part of the story. The king in this story is Jesus. Matthew 25, 34 to 40, the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And so to all of you who gave time, energy, and sacrificed, um, not just last weekend, but many of you sacrificed far more than just a weekend. You did this for Jesus. As you loved and cared for the least in our city, those who have lack, you did it in the name of Jesus, and you did it for Jesus. You know, I I love the way the, the vision is painted here because Jesus essentially is talking about both physical needs and relational needs, right? You see that. He says, when I was hungry and thirsty, you gave me something to eat and drink. When I needed clothes, you gave me clothes to wear. When I was sick, you looked after me. Physical needs. But there are also relational needs here. He says, when I was a stranger, you invited me in, you allowed me to belong when nobody else would let me belong. When I was imprisoned, you visited me. You came after me when nobody else would come after me. And last weekend, as I was driving around visiting site after site, I saw this unfold before my very eyes. And I gotta tell you, I was so incredibly moved. And I'm so honored and proud to be a part of a church community that takes this calling seriously. We don't do it flawlessly, but we at least pursue faithfulness. You know what I'm saying? And that to me is so beautiful. And I don't actually know where the story is headed. I don't know exactly what Jesus will say to us at the end of each and every one of our lives, but I have an inkling that he will look at us and see these little moments throughout our lives and the life of our church. And he will say, well done. You fed me when I was hungry. You gave me drink when I was thirsty. And so Finney said, where do we go from here? So I wanna spend a little bit of time doing two things. One, I want to inform and invite you into the, the last couple of months in the life of our church, the last couple of months of this calendar year. And then I want to give us a little bit of perspective, not just on what I'm going to invite you into, but all of life. So first, a bit of information, news, and an invitation. As we continue, as Finney said, as we continue the momentum of planting these tiny little mustard seeds of faith in hopes that God will lead and guide us. Now, let me me preface it by saying this. Most of us in the room today are folks that would consider Westgate Church home. We belong to this church family. And what I am going to invite you into is for you. If you consider this church your family, then I am speaking to you. There are some of us in the room who are just visiting. Some of us in the room who maybe we're not Christians, we're just sort of a friend or a neighbor invited us. First of all, if that is you, we are so grateful you are here. And this is not, I don't want you, because I'm going to talk about a few things here. It's not some sort of ploy to get you to, you know, do X, Y, and Z for the church. This is just for you to hear the story of what sort of church community, what sort of church family we are. So take all of the pressure off if you don't belong to our family. Last year, exactly this time, October of 2021, um, Steve Clifford invited us uh, into something called Giving Good. It was an end of year campaign. And essentially the goal was, hey, we don't know what God's gonna do, but we're just gonna live and lead with audacious faith. So our goal is to raise a million dollars and a bunch of that is going to go to pay off the jack in the box lot if you were pulling up here on Prospect Avenue you saw that big giant dirt lot we purchased that a couple of years ago and we had a loan on it and we said we just we need to pay that off and it wasn't a very sexy thing, you know? We're like, let's raise money to pay off some dirt, right? And we said, we're gonna raise some money, pay off the the lot and then we want to do what we've done for years, over a decade now, we wanna give above and beyond so that we can build as many wells around the world to bring fresh, clean drinking water in the name of Jesus to those who are dying because they don't have water. So we said a million bucks, we don't know how this is gonna go. Whatever God does, we'll thank him and do the best we can. And you all responded in such a generous way. In 90 days, you gave $1.5 million. What that did was it allowed us to pay off the jack in the box lot, and we gave $750,000, which is the most we've ever given in any calendar year, to building wells around the world. That's what you all did last year. So as our elders and our leadership team have been praying toward the end of this year, God, what is next for us? We've come to the conclusion prayerfully and in dialogue and conversation that we're gonna try to do it again, Giving Good 2022. And because you all gave $1.5 million last year um, above and beyond general giving, uh, that's where we're gonna set the goal this year, $1.5 million. You guys, I grew up, in a studio apartment with a single mom sharing, sleeping on a couch. Like when there is an M at the end of dollar signs, for me, it's just so foreign, right? And this feels so audacious and so big. But what I believe, my confidence, is in that we have a very big God and he's shown himself faithful in so many ways. So let me explain where this $1.5 million is gonna go. It's gonna move in four specific directions. Again, remember, this is for our church family. Four key directions. One, we are going to take the Jack in the Box lot and finally pave it into a usable parking lot so that you all can park there. This is for a couple of reasons Uh, and sort of technical. Many of you park on the Cato lot back here. We are losing that lot. It's been purchased by developers and they're gonna break ground on it Who knows? It could be any day. Anyways, we are guaranteed to lose that lot, so we need the parking. Second, that jack-in-the-box lot is actually, it provides more parking spaces than our current main lot here. What that will actually allow us to do in the coming years is to get creative about our current parking lot and how we can renovate it to blur the lines between our city and our church. One of the things that really bug, I love our church, but one of the things that bugs me is that this place is buzzing with life on Sundays and sometimes Wednesday nights. And the rest of the time, it's just our staff walking around, going to meetings. What our dream, our hope is that this campus is buzzing with life with people who are far from Jesus seven days a week. And so you'll hear more about that in the coming months and years, but that is um, phase one is to pave that into a parking lot so that we can get creative with our current lot. Some of the money will go toward our South Hills and uh, Casa de Fe congregation in South San Jose to renovate the children's spaces over there. We're seeing a lot of new young families show up here for sure. But we're also beginning to see a lot of new young families show up there. And the kids' faces there need uh, some some tender love and care. And so some of the money will go toward that. And then third, the third direction is this past um, summer, as our elders saw the wildness of the economy and the incredible rising costs of living in Silicon Valley. I don't know if you know this, but um, pastors don't make tech money, okay? So many of our staff, and this is real, many of our staff um, were on the brink of not being able to live here anymore. Like literally, they loved our church, they love you, they love the mission of God in and through our church, but literally they could not, they were on the brink of not being able to raise their families here, which we totally understood. So our elders initiated um, a cost-of-living adjustment for them, which is something we rarely do. We don't really give a lot of raises here because we try to give a lot of money away. And that comes at great cost to our team. And so our elders initiated a cost-of-living adjustment. Some of giving good will go to help offset the pressure that is added to our overall budget. And finally, and maybe most importantly, we are as committed as ever to building as many wells around the world as possible. In the last 10 years, you all, this church family, has given over $3 million to build, um, Thousands, hundreds of wells, more than 400 wells in 25 different countries, which has provided in the name of Jesus, fresh, clean drinking water for almost a quarter million people. And so that, we are just as committed to that as ever. So giving good 2022, $1.5 million is the goal, and that's the direction we're going to move in, right? To, to renovate the lot uh, into a parking lot so that we can get creative about serving our community and reaching them better. To renovate kids' spaces at South Hills Casa de Fe, to better support our staff so they can continue to live and serve in Silicon Valley and to build as many wells as we possibly can. Uh, I'll show you um, just a QR code and uh, the URL. If you have more questions, you could just go to the website or scan that QR code. You could also scan the QR code in front of you, and uh, it'll take you to the page. Now, I want to invite you um, to just do three things. If you are a part of our church family, I want to invite you to pray, to give, and to pray. I want you to pray And seek God and ask him for what it might look like for you to join us in this um, season. And some of us are in a season where we cannot give. We're in need. We need to receive. We're really struggling. You're a part of our church family, but you're like, Jay, I'm all in on the mission, but we are really struggling. If that is you, let us know. We want to come alongside you. I'm serious about this. Don't worry about giving monetarily to giving good. Let us know if you have need. This is what it means to be family. But some of us, maybe many of us, are in a position where we can give. So I want us to pray and then to give. Give responsibly, give sacrificially, give generously. And then finally, pray again. Pray that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done in and through our church as it is in heaven. Sound good? Now, I told you I would inform you and invite you and then give us a little bit of perspective. Um, I'm going to invite Mark and the team to join me up here. And we're going to sing and respond in a moment. But I want to give us a little bit of perspective. Um, You know, nobody goes to seminary. Nobody gets into pastoral ministry because they want to stand up in front of hundreds of people and talk about millions of dollars. Nobody does that. That's not why... Twenty something years ago, I was like, I want to be a pastor because it'd be great to get up there and just be like, "Can you give money?" (laughs) Like that's the last thing you think about. But uh, you know, one of the reasons people do get into pastoral ministry, one of the reasons I've gotten, I got into pastoral ministry, is because of possibility. In verses like this, Ephesians chapter three, to him God, who is able to do immeasurably more. Than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. To him be glory in our church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You know, I love that phrase immeasurably more. In the original language of the text, it means beyond measure. You know, sometimes we read a verse like this, immeasurably more, and in our minds, we translate it as just a lot more. That's not what the text says. It says immeasurably more, beyond all measure, more than you can measure outside the categories of human math. Let me admit something to you. Often my faith is small, like a seed, as Finney said. And often I find myself ending up praying for just a little bit more. I often pray that way and I'm ashamed to admit it, but I often do that. You know, this morning driving over here, um, I was thinking about my kids who are seven and four and the pressures of Silicon Valley the pressures that Jenny and I feel as we try to raise our children. And sometimes, let me just admit this to you, often I find myself praying about my kids and for my kids, God help them perform just a little bit more. God help my kids just get a little bit higher of a test score, help them behave just a little bit better. Now, I so often pray based on these worldly categories and cultural measurements of success. But what I recognize in this moment is that God loves my kids beyond these categories. His heart beats for them beyond earthly measurement. And he loves you and me in the same way. This is true of you. Your hopes, your dreams, your career, your families, your relationships. This is true of our church, our plans, our desires, our grand visions of what's possible on our campus or globally or whatever it is. God loves us and our families and our lives and our hopes and dreams. He loves us and our church beyond the categories. And his heart beats for us beyond earthly measure. So here's the deal, yeah, there's like a giving goal, but at the end of the day, whatever happens, whether God provides a dollar or a million or more, whatever it might be, what I firmly believe is that God can and longs to do immeasurably more beyond measure than we can ask or imagine. I believe God wants to break our categories. I don't know what the future holds, but I know the God who holds the future. And so I stand here surrendering it all to him. Surrendering the future of this church, the future of our city, the future of my family, my children, my hopes, my dreams, my plans. We're gonna sing this song together. Give us your heart. That's my that's my invitation ultimately. Yes, if you're a part of our church family, pray. Ask God what he might be calling you to give above and beyond to help move this thing forward. Whatever happens, again, I just, driving here this morning, again, I'm just gonna admit this to you. There's a part of me that was just so racked with pressure about getting up here and talking talking about, I'm like, I'm a Bible nerd, you guys. I like reading the Bible and just talking about that. But I felt such a freedom this morning driving over here. Not just about the future of this church and what God may or may not do, but I felt such a freedom about my kids, about my family, about my own hopes and dreams. Because God is not a little bit more God. He is a beyond all measure God. Breaking the categories sort of God. And again, though we do not know what the future holds, we know that he holds the future. And in his hands, um, anything is possible. And his plans are greater than ours. And so we surrender to him, we trust in him, and we ask and we pray that he would give us his heart. His heart that beats for things beyond earthly measure. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and sing and worship together.